What's going on, everybody? My name is Dr. Ian Levy. You are listening to the Lunchroom Cypher podcast, where we discuss how hip-hop can support student development in schools. I'm your host for the show. I'm an MC. I'm a researcher, scholar, and I love talking about education and the intersections of counseling. Today is a very important episode because I have the privilege of, of bringing on my mentor, my big brother, um, somebody who has played a really significant role in who I am as a, as a man, as a young man, but also as an academic. Um, his name is Dr. Chris Emden. He's going to introduce himself in a minute. But uh, truthfully, this is a dope dialogue about our work as a counselor educator and a teacher educator, respectively, really thinking about how we merge education and counseling to support student development. I hope you enjoy this episode. Chris, how about you introduce yourself, man? So my name is Chris Emden. Um, I am a hip hop head, a father, a husband, um, a scholar, a thinker, an activist, an intellectual. Um, and I think in my work, or I'm sorry, and an academic. I think, you know, oftentimes <laughs> people will, will say academic first. I think I'm all those things first and then an academic. Mm. And somehow I sit at the intersections of all those identities. And I try to make sure that I'm, I'm myself and all those different things. But, you know, a hip hop head who loves the work, who loves young people and, and loves the community and wants to do right by them. You know, that's that's crescendent. That's it. I love that. And I something that I've learned, you know, for listeners that don't know, I, you know, Chris and I have been working together for like 10 years, almost something crazy. Yeah, um, and when I first met you, that's what stuck out to me more than anything else was like it didn't feel like I met you in a very academic context, but it didn't feel like an academic context. Like I remember going to classes and then coming to your office and like freestyling. And like it was like this wild like what is going on? Because I was doing that like I was fresh from undergrad into grad. So I was like rhyming all the time in New York City around the city and, you know, in, in undergrad all the time or whatever. And now I was like doing that in the hallways of Columbia. And that was just like a a wild thing. And so I just, I always remember that, like that authenticity of the, it's not just academic, it's academic, it's father, it's hip hop head, it's all the things. And I've obviously watched you become a father legit. When I met you, you were not, you know? And so, um, to see the growth of like the human being beyond the academic has been really inspiring for me as I enter academia for whatever it's worth here. Um, you know, trying to become my own person and beyond just the academic title. So I appreciate you sharing that and your work. And I think that is why we do what we do, because we want to support young people in becoming like full human beings who love who they are and what they do. And um, I think this is a great pathway for all of that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like how, how you found your way into hashtag hip hop ed and, and everything. For me, hip hop has always been the soundtrack to my existence. Mm. You know, from as early as I could remember, there was something about the boom bap. There was something about hearing an MC's voice something about the bravado, the vulnerability, um, the expression, the musicality, the poetry in hip hop that always drew me in. Um, I remember, you know, in middle school hearing like Rob Bass and DJ Easy mm-hmm. Rock, um, I wanna rock right now, I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. And like, like it did something to mm-hmm. me, it elevated my spirits. And so hip hop has always been this mm-hmm. phenomenon that I could not I could not touch what it was about it or say what it was about it that had an impact on my life, but it kind of consumed my whole existence. And as I grew into being a scholar or a thinker and academic and all those other things, mm-hmm. I've always brought hip hop with me because hip hop was, was always there for me. 
like hip hop allowed me to be able to express my emotion and help, help me to be able to be confident. You know, the first time I, the first time I, I wrote a rhyme and performed it out loud mm. and I looked in the eyes of the audience and the way they revered me and respected me, I was like, man, hip hop brought me respect. It made me feel like a whole person. And so because my, my, mm. my, my childhood mm. prior to adulthood, obviously, was, was, was shaped by hip hop, it only made sense for me to bring that into my adulthood and then into my professional career. And hip hop ed for me is, mm. you know, hip hop was always my teacher. Mm -hmm. It taught me how to speak. It taught me how to flow. It taught me how to mm. exude confidence. It taught me how to have a vibe. And so I've always looked at hip hop as a teacher. So when I became a teacher, it was only right for me to bring my teacher into the classroom. Um, you know, the thing that taught me is what I wanted to use to teach young folks. So for mm. me, like people always ask like, when was the moment that hip hop became the thing. It's always been there. It's always been the thing. It's always been the teacher. And, you know, from, from the mm. first time I taught, you know, middle school science and math, when I was like 21 years old, um, hip hop was the mm. conduit through which I can give the young folks something to make them feel whole in a way that hip hop made me feel whole. Mm. And that wholeness has been at the center, which I think is so crucial on obviously on this podcast where we're talking about development but but more broadly when we think about what it means to be a teacher mm -hmm. because as a counselor you know i've i've thought a lot about what it what does it mean to create a schooling environment that supports the development of the whole child and honestly prior to really rocking with you my perception of teacher and counselor were like oh, the counselors over here doing emotional stuff the teachers over here doing academic content stuff mm -hmm. and like where is the space for this for the student to just be developing as a whole human in every space that they're in and not like oh i can only work on x here and y here but actually i can work on the whole joint all the time and um and i think that's where the intersection of a lot of our work is and where hip-hop is and it does it in this way that's natural that you don't have to force like it's, it's just we didn't try to do cool. anything yeah, I think that's it. It's flow. I think intellectuals or academics oftentimes try to, you know, to create a formula for creating magic rather than sitting in the beauty of the magic and just let it wash over you. Hmm. Um, and so it's like, okay, well, they're teaching. What's the formula for good? Well, the formula for good teaching is creating an emotion, a vibe, a, a connection. Hmm. And that requires being a counselor. It requires yeah. being there for the young people to feel like they can share with you for you to sort of model for them how you're struggling through, but still being present for them to look at that and say, wait, I, I, I kind of can aspire to be that, or I can draw a model from that. It's, it's in, in the being, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw's work around mm -hmm. intersectionality is so groundbreaking. Yeah. And I think that the, the beauty of that work is that it's not formulaic. It's, it just articulates for the world that there is a thing that happens when we all vibe and connect and in my recent work you know um it's about like really sitting not even at the intersections per se but like like at the collisions like welcoming beautiful collisions where counselor meets teacher meets hip-hop artist meets you know like that that that, that welcoming the concept of things crashing into each other hmm. and that collisions are not negative but in fact in the collision is when beautiful things happen and that's why me and you vibe right because yeah. we you know, we come from different worlds in many ways, right? 
You know what I mean? I'm black, you white. You know what I'm saying? I'm tall, you're shorter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm from the X. You know what I mean? You from you from the Upper West Side. Yeah. Those 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 two camps fight all the time. Um, but but it's about when those things that are supposed to be collisions are allowed to meld, mm. and then give forth something magic. Um, that's why my new book is named Ratchetemic. Ratchetemic yeah. is the embodiment of collision culture. Yeah. Um, it's being ratchet and academic, hood and smart, and it's it's swimming in the beauty of the collisions of life. Yeah. That new frontiers open up. And I want to perpetually sit there. Um, and I don't ever want to run away from collisions because otherwise it's safe. Yeah. And, and safety is the enemy of growth and progress. Ooh. So, you know, put, put, me at, put me at the point where the collisions can happen. I'd rather sit there forever and feel the joy, the trepidation, the anxiousness, the beauty, the magic, than be somewhere safe and feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the corny hip hop. Uh, analogy guy in me is like you want all the smoke like all all of it at all times though bro yeah, that ain't corny yeah, yeah. like like the <laughs> yeah. concept of, you know yeah. what i mean i want i want to sit in the middle of that i want to breathe it in deep yeah you know what i mean i want i want it to fill my lungs up and get me high you know what yeah. i mean and when i say yeah. get me high like get you to that emotional and psychological state yeah where you are always elevated beyond the present consciousness yeah like, that's the goal that's the magic of life that's the you magic know, of what, life what is life worth living if you cannot exist with the excitement and beauty of what's to come at all times? Yeah. I would argue no. Yeah. And it requires collision, right? And and Absolutely. I and I love that because it it positions us as folks that are actually supposed to induce collision and not run from it or problematize it or whatever. Cuz like cuz what happens when man so there's a lot of directions we can go here. Hip hop in and of itself invites collision. It loves it. It's obsessed with it. That's the whole vibe. When you think about the battle or you think about people in a cypher trying to one up each other with lines, like it invites collision. I remember actually being in a cypher in Union Square and legendary cypher and rapping back and forth with this guy. And I had, a, I was like at like tip top shape. So I had like a bunch of different bars in the, my head that I was ready to go with. And so I was going back and forth and we went back and forth like maybe two or three bar, like two or three segments each. Mm. And the whole cypher felt like it stopped, right? Mm. And it was just centered on us, even though we were still in the circle. Like we weren't like in the middle of the joint. We were in the circle, but like it's maybe slightly turned towards each other in the circle. And we were going back and forth. There's like six people between us, but we're going and the whole cypher stopped and listen, and we go back and forth and I trade a few and it stops. And right before he was going to enter again, it was this guy Falaz. He goes, ah, I fucking love this shit. And yeah. then he goes back in and comes at me again. And he beat me. In fact, like I couldn't, the thing he spit right after that was just like, I didn't have a response because it was just too fire. And I was just like, oh, but then we dapped and we kept moving. And there's, so it invites the hip hop and invites the tension. It invites yes. the beauty of what is this growth that we're trying to talk about. And like, I feel, I think then, then about like how many moments where hip hop emerges in a classroom and a young person stands up and says, I don't like this. Yep. And all of a sudden that young person is then like, you know, demonized in the slew of ways that schools demonize young people. When in reality, they're trying to tell you, yo, if you bring this here, collision can occur and we can all benefit from it. I'm trying to give you magic and yeah. you won't let it happen. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like psychologists call it being in a state of flow. Yeah. Uh, sociologists call it collective effervescence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, neuroscientists, you know, call it something, but everybody understands what happens when you're in that space 
where it's it's just like you know you, you just feel the tingles yeah and i think that world where everybody is trying to quantify and make tangible and curriculum and standardize and process everything you, you get so lo- you get so caught up in a lock and step that you lose that feeling you had when y'all were back and forth in that cycle. And I, I, you know, my thing is that we can pursue that kind of magic at all times. And just because some people don't want to get there doesn't mean that we can't pursue it yeah. and we can't honor it. And most importantly, that we can't name it. You know what I mean? Like, I think folks are scared of naming things they can't touch, mm. um, which is why a lot of my work is, is, is about, you know, this sort of like spiritual dimension of this work. Because that's the setting that you feel, you know, when 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 mm-hmm. when, when folks catch the Holy Ghost, or when or when supernatural is at the height of freestyling, and you see his eyes roll back, and he's in a state of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. That is the height of knowledge production, and it's also the height of the ability to be able to soak in information. And why is that not welcome in the counseling room or in the classroom? Yeah. Um, and so that's like, it's the, it's the perpetual pursuit of a state of flow that, that is my, that is my driving force. Yeah. And so I guess the question, and we're kind of, we've kind of talked about it, but like in your practical work in classrooms, what ways has hip hop culture informed how you've gotten your classroom to that flow state? You know what it is, man. It's like, once you know what magic feels like, you work perpetually in the pursuit of it. Like, you know, I know what it feels like to have 20 people in a cipher and feel the earth shift. Mm. And I, so now that I know, once, once you've tasted that feeling, you want it in the classroom. Mm. Because you know that when you had that feeling, the way you were attentive, like I knew every word, I knew every inflection. I knew when the ad libs came in. Sometimes I could tell when dude was gonna rhyme and how he was gonna rhyme. I could predict what was gonna be said. Mm. Like I was, I, like I, I can, I was listening and learning and observing, and like all my senses were activated. And I knew in that moment, if somebody spit a bar about Pythagorean theorem, I would know it because it would be embedded in me because I was mm. open to receive it. And understanding that magic made me want to bring that magic into the classroom. Mm. And the thing is that hip hop, while you don't want to be too formulaic, hip hop creates the conditions to allow you to get closest to that magic. So there's something about standing up and being in a circle that invokes the magic. Mm. There's something about a collective like head nods and movements, right? There's something about a collective rhythm in the background. There's something about not being too explicit with the information, but having ways to use language to bend and tell a story. So hip hop, it doesn't give you a formula, but it gives you it gives you a narrative that you can follow and pursue mm. to create that magic in the classroom. Mm. And if teachers understood that whatever you do in the classroom is always going to be impacted by your ability to transcend the place and enter into this amazing emotional space. Mm. Once you once you pursue reaching space, you you get to the young people in a way that no matter how good you are operating only in place, you can never touch the space. Yeah. And getting them to that space, and we've talked a lot about that. We've written about this being this third space, right? Getting there with that's towards you, emotional. What, what was the name of that? Uh, that towards paper emotional brought? healing or something like that. Emotionally freeing classrooms, I think, is what it yeah, was. Yeah, emotionally freeing classrooms, entering into the third space, and it's just that—that that third space. 
You can't see it, you can't quantify it, but you know it when you're in it, right? You feel it when you're in it. It's that moment in the cipher where I said I was rapping back and forth with that guy and the whole thing stopped. Yeah. And it felt like we were just locked in and I blanked out everything else around me. And I can't forget it. Like I can think about it now and go right back to that thing. It was probably like six, seven years ago at this point. And it's and like that never left. The practical bro, which is so lovely, is that once you, you know, I always say when you have one of those magical moments, Mm. What you want to do to make it practical for educators is you want to be able to stop and analyze the conditions that allows you to get there mm. and do your best to replicate that. Mm. So for example, when I'm in a classroom and I'm teaching and I'm, I'm flowing and the kids are with me and the bell rings and they leave, I close the door and I'm like, okay, what just happened here? Because <laughs> that was special. I'm like, where were the seats? Where was I standing? What did I play in the backdrop? What was on the wall? Did I use the board? Did I use the smart board? Did like, who, who was absent? Who was present? Who was sitting next to each other? Yeah. Like I, you have to be a student of the moment yeah, and then recreate the moment as best as possible until you stumble upon that, that, that perfect kind of, um, that perfect kind, like when you've created the portal. Mm. Now, once you created the portal, you can always go back through it. It may not feel the same way, but you know that you created the portal to enter into a new dimension. I hate to bring the physics analogies, right? It's the difference between a black hole where you enter into something and then you're just in it and a wormhole where you enter into it and you open to a new direct uh, dimension. And if you can make the, uh, the magic of the classroom be a wormhole, that you could create the conditions to enter from one dimension into the next, you can replicate that process as often as possible yeah. and then keep fine tuning it so you get to the ultimate experience of teaching and learning. Yeah. Creating the portals to that emotionally freeing space. Yes, sir. And that only happens by at going back after you've been in those moments, either personally or within your classroom and analyzing how it is that you got to that place. What happened for that portal to open up, right? Yes, um, sir. And I think that that is amazing. And what it reminds me of or making me think about is like, this is the importance of research. And this is going to sound like overly academic, but we'll make it practical of research and evaluation in our work. We talk about it all the time in like pre-service programs. Like we tell teachers, we make teachers do research projects before they go into schools usually. And it's like some random ass, excuse my language, research project with like survey design. And people feel like, why am I doing this thing? The reality is we are researchers always and we are scholars always in our work, not because we know how to like design a survey study and roll it out and analyze our data or whatever, but because we are attuned to the conditions that we've created in the spaces, we can take moments to reflect on why and how we were able to create that. So then we can replicate it and recreate it because we want young people to be ready to walk through portals to get to emotionally freeing spaces, right? Oh, like oh, that, oh, that oh, work, oh. bro, is like, that's why we're researchers. That's why we're scholars. That's why the things that we talk about matter in practice. But drawing those connections, we forget. We forget that like, even if your school is not telling you, sit down and analyze how impactful the cipher that you just ran in your classroom was and how you can recreate that to allow students to get to an emotionally freeing place so they'll be more receptive to the information. Even though they're not telling you to do that, you got to do that because you're a researcher, you're a scholar, and you're trying to create adequate conditions for youth to actualize, to grow, to develop, all those things. I mean, research to me, right? It's sure. is research. Yeah. Which is just keep keep <laughs> yeah. looking. Keep looking. Right. So yes. so so and to keep looking is it, it depends on what you're researching, right? So sure. you know, I, I'm always researching myself. Yeah. I'm still yep. I'm always being introspective. 
Yeah. And going back to analyze my responses to things, um, how I engage with a certain person. So I'm perpetually reflecting. So I'm perpetually researching myself. I'm yeah. always researching my classroom for the conditions that were optimal for young people's learning. And I think it's yeah. about understanding that by virtue of any reflective individual is already deeply entrenched in the concept of research. Mm. The technical aspects of research is just being able to quantify and grab a hold of the things yeah. that you've searched. Yeah. That's all. Yep. Being in a perpetual place of searching, right? Yourself and, and the conditions to allow young people to search themselves, right? Like the whole goal is research, right? Is, is we do research so youth can do research, right? Yo, this um, is dope Pete Rock and Seal smooth track that is just playing on my head right now. Mm. And it just, the, it's a, it's, I forgot what the original sample is, but it's just like searching, searching, searching. And it's like the, the and this is also another piece of hip hop. Yeah. We, we really talked about cyphers and bars, but we also want to talk about like the, um, the, uh, the what other amazing collisions yeah. is hip hop beat production. Yeah. A jazz sample with some boom bap, with a piano riff, with something you play on top. It's just like, it's it's a mashup. It gets you to that place. You know what I mean? And it's and it's like again, hip hop is about collisions. Yeah. Um. And and the search for the magic of collisions. But you know, um, you know, you feel me, bro. You you, you see where I'm going? Totally. And I think a practical thing from that, because I'm always trying to extrapolate that as much as possible on here, is like by asking students to regularly share songs that they're listening to imagine giving students like a quote homework assignment being like pull up to next class with a song that makes you feel like more in tune with yourself whatever song you listen to when you're trying to reflect or when you're trying to feel comfortable or just give those themes ask students to bring those songs to class play that out with students listen through it then create emotionally themed playlists that you can turn on because sometimes creating those conditions in your classroom is simply being able to be like, wow, the kids are coming in kind of anxious today. Let me pull songs off the playlist that I remember that students gave me that they listen to when they feel anxious. And let me put those tracks on to help them get to a place to quote, open that portal to get them to a place where they're receptive. Oh. right? But that requires that like front work. That also requires a lot of what you've talked about in reality pedagogy. And this is the merging of kind of the things we're sort of naturally getting into between my work and your work, which is like you talk a lot about co-teaching, about this intentionally positioning youth to reimagine what we might have planned to do it better in ways that are more real or authentic to them. And I'm sure you have tons of examples for that. Yeah. But like if youth are put in the position to generate their own content about what makes them feel comfortable in a space and then we learn from that so then we can pull it back when they're not in a place where maybe they're even aware of that we can sense where they're at and then we have playlists to support where they're at and yeah. that's just the music like that's not even doing anything else that's just the simple act of like no words are even on. spoken like no words have to be spoken for you to create the conditions for young folks to feel whole if you if you're in tune with how they're feeling and this is reminding me of one of my favorite tracks yours as well heavily in tune with the infinite. Like yeah. when you're heavily in tune with the emotion of the classroom, you can read where they are yeah. and they've already given you what they need. And so without speaking, words are said. And I think that's also a really magical hip hop thing where it's like, you know, sometimes it's in the head nods when you know if, if a bar hit. Yeah. Then when you're in the cypher and you spitting and you, and you say something and you look across that cypher and you got three, four deep head nods, you're like, okay, I'm on to something. That's it. And, 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 and no words have to be said. Nothing. There's a communication that exists in the psychic space. 
that elevates you from that place, which is getting back to that conversation I have about space and place. It's like when folks give you the right head nod or play the right music or, or give you the right woo, words don't have to be said. That creates the, the portal to transcendence. And I think when we talk about like emotionally freeing environments in classrooms, like teachers are like, well, wait, I'm not supposed to do emotion work, right? And then counselors are like, wait, I want to keep my job. I don't want teachers to think they can do all the counseling work, right? There's this weird tension that emerges when this happens. And I think what I want to point out here is like, even though it might not feel like a mental health intervention, uh, Edmund and I wrote about this actually in a recent paper that's super dope, but even if you want to do mental health work, like by, by putting a track on and saying nothing and having the youth say nothing, that is a mental health intervention. It is on the, what we would call like protective or preventative side of that mental health, like continuum of services, because like you don't have to do anything to make somebody feel comfortable coming into a space sometimes. Do anything, meaning say anything. You can just put it on. In fact, like, we always try to tell young people, like, no, you can be yourself here. It's okay. And they're like, I'm not buying it. So sometimes talking doesn't even matter. It's about feeling. And one of the interventions that we're talking about here is like the playlist as, as a vehicle to make young people feel safe. The other is the cipher, you know, having young people stand in a circle, even just to like talk for a few minutes as class is starting, just standing in a circle. It feels like nothing. Attendance. Yes. Just to take attendance, yes. it creates an environment that that says this is not the traditional space. And and another big piece of this, I think, is so important. You know that you know you you know me. You know I'm a firm believer in this. It's also in it's in the music you play. It's also in the aesthetic. Yes. Of the space. When I walk into the space, does it look like a classroom? Does it mm. look like you're trying to get information out of me? Right. You know, are are there bars on windows? What color is the place? Are there comfortable seats? Is there any posters on a wall? Are there images of people who look like me? Is there an honor of my neighborhood? Like your environment also dictates who you are. Like, you know, one of my hobbies, you know, you know all this about me, mm-hmm. but like, I love, like one of my models is change the world and dress well doing it. And I, I, I want to change the world and dress well doing it because there's certain days where I don't feel like I could change the world, mm. where I don't feel like I have the power to impact things. I don't feel that important that I don't, I don't, you know, you know, some haters said something or somebody wrote an article was, you know, y'all know how, you know how that get, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know how the Twitter fingers be out here, yeah. right? <laughs> and in those spaces, you know, an accumulation of those things does damage to your psyche. But when I throw on my fedora and throw that sick ass blazer on, you know what I mean? I, I shine up them, 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 them shoes. And I step out, I feel important. I feel yeah. valuable. Yeah. And sometimes the aesthetic is also therapeutic. Yeah. I, that's why also one of my other passions is decor. Yep. Like why, Dr. E, you're a science educator. Why you, why you care so much about furniture? Nah, yeah. fam, I want to create a space that makes me feel transcendence. Like makes yeah. me feel beautiful. Makes me feel comfortable, whole and welcome. Yeah. And I think sometimes you know, one of my favorite lyrics, it's not a hip hop lyric, it's by Maxwell. It's a song called Submerge. Mm. And um, one of the lyrics of the song says, he's talking about love, of course, um, but he says, words are demeaning. They can't describe. Mm. And for me, we oftentimes place such emphasis on the word yeah, that we lose the fact that on the grand scheme of things, that might be minimal. 
You know what I'm saying? The sound, the smell, the look, the that that creates the feeling that makes me ready for the word. If I lead with a word of love, but all those other things are running right counter to what the words are saying, I can't receive the word. So I have to actually deal with the other dimensions, the right song in the background, the light images around, the right lighting, the right feeling. And then once those things have created the context, the words are able to penetrate. Mm. But before then, those conditions stand between the word and the heart. We talk about the heart of young people and the word of the teacher. The words of the teacher cannot reach the heart of the young people because the aesthetic dimensions are so thick that you have not created you have not created a process to melt that wax barrier to allow the words to touch the heart. Yeah. And this is wild in the context of hip hop too, because how many people come out here saying, I'm doing hip hop work, but they're only doing word work. Yep. That's like, why I be so yo, tight. It ain't enough to analyze a biggie quote, y'all. Like it's not enough. And I love Biggie. Trust me. Biggie over Tupac every day, but I, but like, I can't, that's not enough. It's not enough. What, what is enough is adding that, adding Biggie to a larger context of like aesthetic and feeling and emotional work that you've done with youth to allow that word to hit the way it's supposed to hit. And I think like, I think about even like decor. So we're talking about like creating classroom spaces. Like there, there are so many pitfalls in this work and I just want to name one of them. And this is the one that's like been kind of given a pet peeve to me. Like there are a bunch of people that love build, building like studios in schools. It's kind of like this wave now, right? And when they do this work, they pull up before the year starts and they build a studio. And, and then they out. say, hey, young people, come to school. Look at this amazing space we built for you. And then sometimes they're into it. Sometimes they don't go to it. And it's like, why aren't they going to it? Because it's not their space. Oh. It's a space that you built because you thought that it was a good space for them. But it was not a space that they had any ownership in building and being a part of. And we here's see this, where our work collides, right? That's because where our work collides. Not only is it a, a, a beautiful sort of therapeutic process to build something that you're going to use. But in that building, in the creating, in the researching is so much academics, Yeah. right? The science of making it soundproof, the downloading a different software, the knowing what budget you have and how much money you have left off. Like that's, so now you've got an academic process in the creation. Mm -hmm. You've got a sort of emotional process in the construction of the creation. Yep. Then you've got this sort of continual process in how you use the space. And I think that we oftentimes miss like, you know, the academic stuff and the therapeutic stuff are not, they're not unrelated at all. They're, yeah, they're, they're always happening simultaneously. But they, they, they vibe, man. And like, just real quick, real quick, like one other point that I thought was so powerful is like the music and how it conjures up emotion. Mm. I'm just thinking now, like I can like, I, I just think about a couple of things, right? Yeah. Um, there's a song by Juvenile. Right, mm -hmm. like back that ass up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Literally, you go to a party, like cats don't even have to hear it. sisters don't have to even hear the the lyric. All they hear is dum boom boom, and you hear oh <laughs> like it's literally three notes yeah. that get folks hype. There's a song by Biggie, like Everyday Struggle, one of my yeah. favorite songs. Like there's this like there's these snares in the beginning. It's like five snares. It goes pop, 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 pop. Then the sample comes in. 
Yeah. Literally, bro, if I hear anything that goes, I'm like, I don't want to live no more. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm in it. And I think sometimes we just the sonic stuff like we think it's like this lush sonic landscape soundscape mm. that has to be created nah it's 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 it, sometimes it's just the boom bap like i don't want people to get the impression like oh they're saying just use this all these rap songs boom bap boom bap 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 boom 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 yeah once young folks hear that the light feet comes boom the hand claps comes the freedom comes this is ancestral rhythms you know what I mean? And, and that has to be considered as well. The, when we think about rhythm and ancestral rhythm, I, my students taught me the, um, the no music clap. Yeah. And I didn't know about it. And the way I found out about it was like, you know, sometimes like, a, you know how it is, like when students hear that you can rap, they'll be like, all right, so rap then, you know, they want to, if they find out, like they're going to challenge you. And so I've gotten challenged many of the time, you know, by young people. And so I'll say something and this happened so many different times, but I'll say, all right, like create a beat. And I'm talking like 15 plus times I've said, all right, like give me a beat y'all. And the whole class goes, um, it's the, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, and it's the same oh, rhythm <laughs> over ten years of my career in in like five different states. Like like it just it's the same clap, mm -hmm. and it's the same rhythm. And all you do is say, "Give me a beat," and then everybody in the class in those in those break beats, like you're saying, the ad libs come and the ah, the whole space changes. Yeah. The entire room changes and it doesn't have to be centered around like me as teacher, or as counselor rapping. Like the point that we're trying to make here is like there is an attunement to rhythm and, and a sound and a connectedness that youth in the classroom already have that guess what? Like me, especially as like white man had no idea about, right? Like, and so what, what, what other things am I missing because I don't know them and, and, and what value is there in just saying to students like show me how to create this space together. Coming back to the physical creation of the space, the aesthetics of the space, the decor of the space, like youth have the keys to creating that environment and that portal. It's about us letting them show us that and then being conscious of it. Because now I know when I walk into that space I, and I wanna get a little rhyme going, I say, yo, let me hear a beat. Because I know that that is gonna elicit a reaction that is gonna help create that space. But I learned that from my so students. What that can happen for a lot of folks is the, is the humility. Yeah. That radical humility is the, is, the, is the willingness to recognize that you don't, like what you said is like, because I don't know, you know, because yeah. I'm a white man and I'm no no. And, you know, for you, you, you say that because you sort of arrive to a place where you can own who you are and yeah. what you don't know. For far too many, it's the absence of the humility to own who they are, own what they know, and sit in and with what they don't know. Yeah. And be willing to be taught it by young folks. And it's, the, you know, sometimes what gets in the way most is just that the absence of a radical humility for the sake of the collective betterment. And that, that's like the little secret sauce that gets in the way. Because a lot of folks intellectually want to be better, you know, even emotionally they want to be better, but they're not willing to not know in order to be better. Because they don't want that clash that you're talking about and you're starting with. They don't want, they don't want to feel the smoke. They don't want the smoke. <laughs> they, they don't want it individually. <laughs>
you know? And that's what it comes back to. And I think that's a perfect switch now um, to some bars. I know, like, because I think what people are not aware of is, and people people turn their mind off to things that they can't understand or can't hear all the time. That's what educators do. That's why we can't respond to young people. And if there's anybody who's, like, layered and lyrical and anybody that you have to, like, stop and listen to with depth, it's the artist that you're about to introduce to us right now. So I just... Why don't you tell us about who the eight bars are and then yeah, I'll pull man. up the YouTube and we'll play it and all that stuff. Yeah. So my eight bar um, joint and there's a lot of MCs I love and respect. I went so, I went back and forth. I had Pharaoh Monch. I had Royce the five nine. I had the big homie Jizza. But um, I'm, I'm going with Loaded Lux. Mm. So Loaded Lux had this freestyle on Hot 97 a couple years ago. That was everything to me. And Lux is my brother. Um, you know, I've, I've had the honor and gift to work with him, um, to bring him to, to classrooms, to work with young people. But his bars, bro. So my, my eight bar breakdown, and it might not be eight bars. It might be more than that. You're just going to have to indulge me. Um, it's from the Funkmaster Flex Freestyle, um, where Loaded Lux just whew, goes like, off. He just goes off. He just, I'm going to pull it up right now for us um, so we could, we could check it out together. And well, of course, we'll leave we'll leave the little sound clip in the pod, so Bro, so the people whole can joint, hear. Man. Your boy Loaded Lux, you know what's up when I'm rolling up. I came to kill it with Funk Flex on Hot 97. Mean. You know what's cracking? Ciroc Studios, Funk Flex. I mean, bars is what we deal with up here. Loaded Lux is in the building. It's healthy. <laughs> something God love you. Well, this is yeah. what you want to do. That's what I'm doing. Charlo, man. Huh? What's happening, handsome? We here. You know? <laughs> yeah, turn that up. Mm. I was in the areas. Start I swing by like a girl is curious. Boys in the hood pops up on you. That's furious. Fierce is when you find your inferiors is inferior with scariest. You're betting against the odds and you letting these niggas tell you you're better than what you are. I'm the bar measuring rod. This where we draw the line on your screen. Turning it out like some extra sketching knobs. Odds. Like you want that. me to stop there? We can stop there. All right, just say the lines back to us so we can uh, catch it all. Yeah, so I, it's it's them boys in the hood pop up on you. That's furious. Fierce is when you find your inferiors isn't fearing you. That's it. Like that's and I could go further, right? But so let's let's just break that down. The boys in the hood pop on pop up on you. That's furious. Fierce as when you find your inferiors isn't fearing you. What's scary is you're betting against the odds and you letting these think you do think you that you're better than what you are. I'm the bar measuring rod. This is where we draw the line on your screen, turning it out like some etch a sketch of knobs. Odd. That's it. Like the 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 the, the wordplay. It's crazy. It, it's it's it, it's it's <laughs> otherworldly. Like I I, I I've heard this thing a million times mm -hmm. and each time it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. Like them boys in the hood pop up on you. That's furious. So that's when, you know, cats in the hood roll up on you. Like, you know, you're, you're acting furious. Then fierce as when you find your inferiors isn't fearing you. So you feel fierce when you know people, they're not as dope as you are, but they ain't got no fear. It makes you feel fierce. Like you're like, mm -hmm. what? you got a battle? But you ain't as nice as me. Like mm -hmm. that make that's what that's what gets me amped. Mm -hmm. So them boys in the hood pop up on you. That's me and my boys. That's furious, right? Yeah. 
And I get fierce as when you find your inferiors, less than you, isn't fearing you, scary, isn't, aren't afraid of you. So isn't fearing you, then he goes, what's scary is? Because fear and being scared, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, keep in mind, fear and scare, those things rhyme as well. Yeah. So isn't fearing you, what's scary is, you're betting against the odds. And you letting these brothers tell you that you're nicer than what you are. I'm the bar measuring rod. So in rhyming, yeah. there are bars. Yeah. I'm the bar, yeah. which is lyrics, yeah. but a bar. Yeah, for the rod that is <laughs> the measuring. Measuring yeah. rod. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. where we draw the line. So a rod is a straight line on your screen, turning it out. Like I'm turning it out. I'm getting crazy. Like some etch a sketch knobs. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts. But it's all that, like, to pull this back to a little bit of the dialogue we're having, he is in the collision. Oh, yeah. Because those opening bars are like, okay, people are pulling up. So the conflict is right in front of yeah. us. But it is through the conflict that I realize, oh, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. They can't harm me. Like, yeah, yeah. Them boys in the hood pop up on you. That's furious. But then I get fierce because I thought these inferiors yeah. are inferior. Like, like it's, yeah. it's you. It almost takes you to that. You can almost construct the um the 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 escape of that. Like you can almost see it. Like you can almost mm. see like you chilling somewhere. These cats roll up. You got fearful. Then you thought to yourself, "Oh, they ain't nice." I'm fierce. They're inferior. And then you, you and then you respond. I can almost imagine the, the yeah. situation or the multiple situations that could be like the the visual sort of like thing of those bars. Yeah. I, I was think I was so funny as you were like reading those lines, I'm like randomly was thinking of the mobile station by it's a spot that you know it's like right by van Cortland park up by the highway sure. like for whatever reason i don't know why it was but as you were talking about it i was like imagining like a very specific part of broadway like right before yonkers like riverdale divide like i don't know why that was but that was what was coming up for me because it paints those images and it's also the beat it was the grittiness of the beat like and there's other elements too, like it's people won't see the video when they see the podcast, but just trust me on this. When that beat comes in, Funk Flex and Lux look at each other <laughs> and you can just see the faces on them and they're just like, oh, it's about to, like, this is about to happen. Lux was in such a pocket because at one point Funk Flex was like, this is what you want to do? And he goes, yeah, this is what I'm doing. It's, it's, a, very, yeah. it's a very different response. Like, is this what you want to do? Yeah, that's what I want to do. When somebody says, this is what you want to do? Yeah, I, I'm going to do it. Or is this what you want to do? Now, this is what I'm doing. It's like, I am taking yes. ownership over this. Stand back yeah. and be ready for it. And, I, yep. you know, prior to the verse, I think even, you know, think about Lux is also like how he, and he does this when he battles also, like he he creates the, um, the anticipation by his antics, his movements, what he says, like, what's popping handsome? Yeah, we here. You know, like it's 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 this sort of like I'm creating the backdrop to what's to come. I'm gonna create a condition to allow you to anticipate when I start going, which makes when I start going even much more magical. Yeah. 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 And I I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that like we were we were so lucky to be in a cipher with Lux. Um and obviously he crushed it like he spit like crazy bars we we held our own i think but uh 
But there was this moment where like at the end, um, I went over to Lux after afterwards. I think you were standing right next to me, but I went over to him afterwards and I was just like, yo, bro, that was so dope. Like you're, you're so dope. Cause like, what else do you say to Lux? It just yeah. like, yo, you're so dope. And he, he dapped me and he looked me right in my eyes and he was like, so are you, bro. I was tapped in. Mm. And I was just like, talk about like feeling seen and feeling heard. Like I felt seen and heard by somebody who were like bowing down to right now and breaking down their lyrics. Like, and he did that by just saying a specific word and dapping me and the vibe and the emotion in that moment. And that was teaching. Yes. What, what Lux was doing and Lux, I, I, I call him professor Lux. Yeah. Um, in that moment was he was being authentic. He was affirming, mm -hmm. humble. He was being truthful. He was acknowledging the moment and the space. And that's what counselors and teachers must do. Yes. For young people in the space, tell young people, you see them that we're, I know we always close out with these practical tools, but like, you're going to do all these things in your classrooms with young people, hopefully after you listen to this podcast and you're going to, you're going to try out some ciphers. Even when you do attendance, you're going to, you're going to create some playlists with young people. You might write, you know, let young people collaborate on a lesson plan. They might write some bars about whatever the content is in your classroom that comes up. Like these organic things might happen, but if you're not there to validate the things that they're, that are coming up in those moments, cause yo, you open up that portal and you allow young people to be emotional. They're going to be emotional. Like the emotions are going to come. Young people are going to admit that they're feeling anxious, that they're not feeling well, that they're, you know, that they're really struggling with some interpersonal thing and they're feeling really down on themselves. Like you have to be ready to hear and listen and validate that so that they know that they can continue to bring that up with you, but also, so they can work through it and process it and talk through it and feel like they can bring that into the space with them because the clash is necessary to bring into the space so that you can digest the content and then learn how to grow. And not, I don't just mean academic content, whatever content is emerging in that classroom space to grow as a, as a human being. I love that you said content and you said not academic content. I think that that allows us to be able to place multiple things on the same level. Yes. Like when I say you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving young folks the content as a science educator. I'm not just talking about the science, yes. right? I'm giving young folks science content. I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing the content of their character. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the content of the environment. Like content is what makes up something. Yes. And all of what we bring to a classroom is content and it is equally valuable. Yeah. And, and, and that, and that, that's it. We want young people, if we want young people to develop as full human beings, then even how we something as simple as like questioning what content we're bringing into the space is a practical skill. Is all the content on my like deliverables for this year attached to my unit plan related solely to like some academic content that is defined by like some state exam? Because if that's all that you're trying to give to students, then you're not really focusing on the whole student because you your game is set up for the content only to be academic. The content, you done missed the boat. And here's the thing. All content is enhanced when all content is valued. Meaning if you're being judged by your academic content, the academic content will suffer if the emotional content, if the environmental content, if the psychological content is lacking, they, they feed each other. So they think of them as these sort of individual vessels that are connected. And so if you fill one up, it actually helps the other get better. But if you're only focusing on one and the rest are empty, 
then then you're not then the content gets lost anyway. So you know to make young folks feel whole, look at all of the content yeah. and um, and have them feed each other. Yeah. So I I like to um, close out every episode with just like if people wanna if people wanna hit you up, Chris, like where can they find you? Um, how, you know how can they contact you? Um, best way to contact me right now is probably on the social media. Um, on Instagram or Twitter, I'm at Chris Emden, C-H-R-I-S-E-M-D-I-N, uh, website, www.chrisemden.com. The squad and crew website, um, of which Ian is, a, is an integral part, is hiphoped.com. Uh, thank you guys for just, you know, sharing space and allowing us to, to, to have some fun and, and dialogue together. For sure. And if you try any of these things out, people listening, any of the skills, any of the stuff that Chris and I talked about here today, uh, hit us up about them. So I got a little Gmail for this pod. It's the lunchroom cipher at gmail.com. Just hit me up. You could send pictures. You could send a little blurb about how like, you know, you tried something out and, and how it went. Would just love to hear, um, you know, if, if this was helpful for you in any way practically. So much love to all you for listening. And thank you so much. Peace, beloved. Thank you.